0: Good morning, everybody. I know that you've all been eagerly anticipating this series on financial stewardship, right? I mean, how exciting is this or what? Um, This is actually more exciting than the Browns game yesterday, okay, but that doesn't take much. Um, Our adult ministry resident, Alex, who you saw in the video there, he bought a Joe Flacco jersey a couple weeks ago, and uh, I don't know, you may see that on eBay later today, maybe. Maybe. But um, man, this is a tough crowd, I tell you. I got some laughs first service, but man, okay, here we go. If this is your first time here, you're probably thinking of all the days, right? The preacher is going to talk about money. But, but let me try to put you at ease a little bit. We're, we're not going to give you a guilt trip about giving to the church, and we're not going to pass out financial pledge cards for you to fill out, okay? So you can, you can just relax a little bit. I understand this is a sensitive topic to talk about in church because all the church wants is my money, right? Well, not really, although money is needed for ministry. The fact is, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need anything. He's God. But there is something he desperately wants, and that's our heart, And sometimes, perhaps more often than we might think, money and possessions get in the way of full devotion to Jesus and his mission. So that's why we need a series like this every so often, whether we like it or not. Last Sunday, we talked about being a church on the move, that church is not a place you go to, but church is a movement you belong to. And for much of 2024, we're going to look at the early church in the book of Acts, and see what that original movement looked like and why the church was such a powerful and unstoppable force in the world. But before we jump into Acts, uh, first Sunday in February, we need to call out, I believe, the number one competition to following Jesus. And it's something that can greatly hinder the potential growth and movement of the church. You know what that is? Here's what it is. It's materialism. Materialism. Here's how one dictionary defines it. It says, materialism is a tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort as more important than spiritual values. In other words, we pursue stuff over the Savior. We focus on the temporary instead of the eternal. We we live to gratify our desires rather than his materialism i think it's a battle that we fight every day toward the beginning of the treasure principle book randy alcorn asked this question he asked why did jesus put such an emphasis on money and possessions after all 15 percent of everything jesus said relates to this topic more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined And according to Alcorn, here's why Jesus emphasized money and possession so much. He says this, because there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. We may try to divorce our faith and finances, but God sees them as inseparable. Alcorn goes on to share that he came to this realization on an airplane while reading in the Bible in Luke chapter three. In that text, crowds gathered around a man named John the Baptist. Three different groups asked John how they should prove their repentance and demonstrate spiritual transformation. And John gave three answers. One, everyone should share clothes and food with the poor. Two, tax collectors shouldn't pocket extra money. And three, soldiers should be content with their wages and not extort money. Now, what's the common denominator, if you look at this, of these three answers? Well, it's money and possessions, right? It's it's all connected there. And even though no one asked John about finances, there was something he wanted his audience to know. And here it is. Our approach to money and possessions is central to our spiritual lives. You should probably write that down. I'm going to repeat it, okay? Our approach to money and possessions is central to our spiritual lives. And that's really what this series is all about. And Jesus addresses this head on in the text that we're going to look at today. Okay, so let's turn in our Bibles together. If you would get out your Bible, let's turn to Matthew chapter six. If you do not have a hard copy of the Bible, there should be one close by on the chair rack in front of you. You can take that Bible home as our church's gift to you if you need a Bible. You can also use the U Version Bible app on your phone or tablet. And if you don't have the U Version Bible app, I would highly encourage you to get that and download that at some point. As you're turning to Matthew 6, I want to encourage you to get the Treasure Principle book and read it, okay? Um, It's a quick read. We actually have, I don't know how many copies we have after first service, but we got some copies back at our Next Step area today. The cost is $5, which is the best deal you're going to find. We're not looking to make money on this. We're just trying to make the book affordable and accessible for you. Uh, You can just put cash or a check payable to OCC in the box on the counter. We're going to use the honor system today. And uh, if we run out of books, we'll order more and have them here for you next Sunday. Also, if you're in a small group and you're trying to find something to study, there's a five-week small group study on the treasure principle with video teaching by Randy Alcorn, the author of the book. You can find that on Right Now Media. Right Now Media is like Netflix for the church, okay? OCC pays a monthly subscription that covers everyone here in the church. And so um, you can scan this QR code if you want to do that right now. Just hold up your phone, scan that QR code. You can access Right Now Media for free or you can contact the church office this week and we'll get you all the information you need to um, get your account set up. All right, Matthew chapter six, are you there? Let's start at verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy. And where thieves do not break in and steal For where your treasure is There your heart will be also Now to help us hopefully unpack this text I put together a two column table It's there on the back of your bulletin If you want to fill in some blanks And take some notes, follow along What we have here in this text Is two opposing approaches To money and possessions We have The treasures on earth side, okay, versus treasures in heaven on the other side. And each of these has a person, place, and possessions attached to it. In the the treasures on earth column, the person is self. Notice it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus is concerned here about selfishness in misplaced values, that we we must honestly ask where our heart is. This is a present tense prohibition. He's saying, stop storing up treasures on earth and stop it right now. Jesus is saying, it's time for a decisive break from that. We just need to stop. Stop. Life is not about you. It's it's not about the here and now. There's a bigger picture, right? In Luke 12, Jesus tells a parable. He says this. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Next slide. Then Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for who? Themselves, but is not rich toward God. Now, to be clear, Jesus is not against having possessions. <laughs> He's not against saving. He's not against preparing for the future. Okay? The issue here is being greedy, selfish, and materialistic, where it's all about you and the pursuit and the preservation of your stuff. Now, opposite of that, under the treasures in heaven column, is God and self. See, God and his purpose is our primary focus, right? But notice what Jesus says in verse 20 again. He says, but store up for who? Yourselves. Treasures in heaven. There's that word, yourselves again. See, as it turns out, Jesus is is not opposed to us storing up treasures for ourselves. He actually commands it here. But what he's telling us is, stop storing them in the wrong place. And start storing them in the right place. The wrong place is earth. The right place is heaven. Because our possessions on earth are temporary, whereas our possessions in heaven are eternal. I want you to go back. Go back to verse 19. Jesus says that treasures on earth disappear because why? Because thieves can break in and steal. Remind, reminds me of a few summers ago, my wife and I bought new bicycles. Uh, we, we planned to do some serious bike riding, and so we paid pretty good money to get nice quality bikes. I mean, they, they were not Kmart blue light specials, okay? I mean, there's not really Kmart anymore, so we couldn't have done that. But one day the following summer, we were at home, we had the garage door open, And unbeknownst to us, someone evidently came up our driveway into our garage and took my bike in broad daylight. Either that or my bike sprouted wings and flew away. Okay? Uh, The Bible does say in Proverbs 23, 5, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Okay? Well, whatever it was, I called the police. And the police were gracious enough to come to my house. I filed a report, and they said that they'd keep an eye out for my bike. And I was thinking, you know what? My bike is probably gone forever. But a couple days later, a police officer spotted it and returned it to me. It had a slight tear in the seat, but I was just happy to have my bike back. But you know, that's the nature of material things like bicycles, right? Sometimes they get stolen, They disappear. But even if they don't get stolen, they begin to decay. You know, the the metal rusts. I don't know if you've had this happen to you before, but you know, rodents chew through the brake wires on your bike. The tires wear out. The older it gets, the more it begins to fall apart. And eventually, that bike will be destroyed, it'll cease to exist. And that's what happens to treasures on earth. They are temporary. And so, storing up treasures on earth isn't simply wrong, it's foolish. Because they don't last. In the end, they're worthless, right? I want you to imagine yourself near the end of the Civil War. You're a northerner stranded in the South by the war, and you plan to move home when the war is over. But while in the South, you've accumulated lots of Confederate currency. And suppose you know for a fact that the North is going to win the war soon. What will you do with your Confederate money? Well, if you're smart, you'll immediately cash in your excess Confederate currency for U.S. currency, right? because it is the only money that will have value after the war. You'll only need to keep enough Confederate currency to meet your short-term needs. And in a similar way, Jesus is telling us here to transfer our excess currency on earth for the currency of heaven because to accumulate earthly treasures we cannot hold on to is like stockpiling Confederate money, even though we know It's about to become worthless. That's why storing up eternal treasures in heaven is not only the right thing to do, it's the wise thing to do because they remain. They last forever, they hold their value. See, these treasures in heaven, here's what they are they are whatever is of good and eternal significance that comes out of what is done on earth. That's what these treasures are. Whatever is of good and eternal significance that comes out of what is done on earth. For example, holiness of character. That's something that we can store up in heaven. How about people led to the Lord? Or how about disciples, fellow believers that we're nurturing in the faith? The Bible says we will reap a reward for doing good works, persevering under persecution, treating our enemies kindly, and showing compassion to the needy. You know, in the context here of Matthew 6, storing up treasures in heaven really focuses on the compassionate use of material resources to meet others' physical and spiritual needs. Back in verse three, Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, he's assuming we're going to do this, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will what? He'll reward you. Later on in Matthew 19, 21, Jesus tells a rich young man, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have what? Treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me, Jesus says. In light of these passages and others, here's what Alcorn writes. He says, taking money and possessions we could have stored up for ourselves on earth and instead giving them to the poor is how we store up treasures in heaven. Now, this leads nicely into the takeaway for today and the treasure principle. Are you ready for this? I want you to write this down. Okay, it's there in your message notes. Here's the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. All right, I want us to repeat that together from the screen on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. You can't take it with you, you can send it on ahead. All right, very good. Good job. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. You see, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul, right? No. Why? Because you can't take it with you. See, treasures on earth are temporary. They disappear. They decay. And eventually they're destroyed. It does no good to selfishly hoard them. But treasures in heaven are eternal. They remain. That is what reaps a reward. And we can send those on ahead. In fact, they'll be waiting for us when we arrive. And so today, I I want us to think about and I want us to decide to store up eternal treasures. That our focus, our pursuit Our approach to money and possessions isn't about the here and now, but it's about eternity. For Jesus says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Is it set on the right person? Is it settled in the right place? Is it satisfied with the right possessions, those heavenly ones? What person, place, and possessions are you living for? Let me conclude with two steps that we can take to store up treasures in heaven, okay? Two steps. Here's the first one, and that is to be crucified with Christ. Wow, that sounds kind of extreme, doesn't it? be crucified with Christ, what it means is that we need to die to self and our own desires so that we can live for Christ. I I basically stole this from the Apostle Paul. Galatians 2.20 says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God. That that is huge. I love that line. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, I, I think it takes some pretty radical faith in Jesus to store up treasures in heaven because much of what we see and hear in our culture is focused on temporary material things. Right? Things like AirPods? How about Ugg slippers? Anybody got some Ugg slippers? Or how about, are they squishmallows and And Lego sets, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with these things as long as we put them in their proper place and see them for what they truly are. Temporary things. They are not to be coveted. They are not to be the most highly treasured or cherished thing in our lives. Because Jesus, Jesus is our ultimate treasure. And nothing compares to him. Later on, again in the context of our text, later on in Matthew 6, Jesus says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Who will you serve? Back in 1815, been a while back, Napoleon was defeated in the Battle of Waterloo, and the hero of the battle was the Duke of Wellington. The Duke's most recent biographer claims to have an advantage over all the other previous biographers. His advantage was that he had found an old account ledger that showed how the Duke had spent his money. That, says the biographer, was a far better clue to what the Duke thought was really important than reading his letters or his speeches. Can you imagine that? If someone wrote your biography on the basis of your bank account, or your income tax return? What might it say about you and your loyalties and your focus and about whom you serve? Man, I I think we've gotta come to a place where we're willing to be crucified with Christ and to live by faith in the Son of God. Well, here's the next takeaway, and that is to be generous in giving to others. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith, these words, and this is a great parallel text to the one that we've, we have looked at in Matthew 6. He says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You say, it's not bad. We, we can enjoy the things that God has given, right? That's a good thing. But he goes on to say... Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, I want to be clear here. Paul Certainly isn't talking about some kind of work salvation because we know that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ, right? But the primary way to lay up treasures in heaven is by investing in God's causes and in God's people. The primary way to lay up treasure in heaven is by investing in God's causes and in God's people. And boy, I gotta tell you, the people that are closest to God's heart are the last, the least, and the lost. And as we invest in that, the ripple effect of those investments will last forever. They are eternal. Now, some of you might see this takeaway and you may find yourself in a place financially, where it's nearly impossible to give, let alone be generous. And if that's you, I, w- I want to encourage you to enroll in Financial Peace University. It starts next Sunday at nine thirty, right here at OCC, and you're going to learn in Financial Peace University the seven baby steps for winning with money. There's seven baby steps, okay? And let me tell you, it's a process. But step by step, you can move toward financial peace. And here's, here's, what's, here's what's great. The last step, step seven, is building wealth, not so you can use it for yourself or you know store up your own treasures, but it's building wealth so that you can give. That, that's where God wants us to be, so we can give generously. And so if you're interested in financial peace, You can go to FBU and you can register for that. But here's the treasure principle. We're going to be coming back to this over the next couple weeks. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. My hope is that all of us will commit ourselves to storing up treasures in heaven. This series is not about a special offering. It's not about getting rid of all your possessions. But what it's about is It's about having the proper perspective when it comes to money and possessions because our approach, our approach to money and possessions is central to our spiritual lives. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that you would give us your perspective on money and possessions. And Father, I know for me it's so easy to get caught up in the things in the things of this world that that just aren't going to last the time the energy the resources all of that God it takes away it takes away from your mission and so God help us to sort through that in our own personal lives and our families God help us Help us to to decide and, and give us the courage we need, the faith we need to really begin to store up treasures in heaven. And Father, even though that maybe isn't popular right now, here in 2024, so maybe we look at our neighbors or just what's going on. God, help us to keep our faith in you that It's really those eternal things that are going to matter in the end. So God, help us now as we take our next step, as we respond to what you're telling us today. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen.